Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, November 11th, 2022. Happy Veterans Day. If you're enjoying the freedom of listening to this or other podcasts and other things, if you're just enjoying the freedom in general today in the United States, thank a veteran. That's why you have it. First article today comes from Security Boulevard talks about why do phishing emails have such obvious typos? I want you to think about that for a second, because the article doesn't agree with what I thought, at least as a primary reason. And I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with the article either. The article says, however, the reason why phishing emails have so many typos is simple. They're intentional and are included by design. The scammer's goal is to send phishing emails to a very gullible, innocent victim If they have typos, they're essentially weeding out recipients too smart to fall for the scam. Now, I always thought that the typos were more or less to get around filters and those sorts of things. And it does talk about that a little bit later. In fact, the next paragraph in the article. But I never thought about it as being a method to intentionally get around a uh, type of personality that might open up the email. Now they do go on to talk about some obvious things that may be in the emails besides the spelling that may be able to point towards it being a phishing email. These are things that probably are familiar to just about all on the podcast. Requests for personal information is number one. Number two, generic or lack of greetings. Number three, unfamiliar web pages or hyperlinks. And number four, a sender's email is unofficial. I'll also say if they're referring to in an unfamiliar uh, way, like if somebody sends an email to me and it says, Dear Gregory, well, just about nobody calls me Gregory, except for fishers and marketers. They also have a few little tidbits of advice. Again, this is old um, news for most folks, but I'll read them anyway. Follow the three, two, one backup rule. Make three copies of your data, store them in two places and store a copy in one offline location. I don't know how that deals actually with avoiding phishing emails, but use unique, strong passwords in a password manager, have security software on your devices, set up multi-factor authentication, update software on all your devices regularly. Interesting article. Not sure if I agree with it all. From the insurance journal. Over a third of companies who paid a ransom to cyber criminals went on to be targeted for a second time, according to the latest cyber readiness report. Now, the article, this is a short article, doesn't explain or postulate why that's the case. But I would submit that once you've shown that you're willing to pay once, they see this as a potential supply chain, if you will, and they'll come back again. Is that enough reason to not pay the ransom? No, but I would submit also that it should be part of your decision process as to whether or not to pay the ransom. Some other interesting statistics here in the article, and I'm sure that you can get a lot more from that cyber readiness report. More than four in 10 of those who paid the ransom demands to cyber criminals, they they failed to recover all their data. Now, of course, now too, that doesn't take into account the differences in types of ransomware since it's pivoting more towards extortion. We're not going to release it if you pay the ransom. Presumably, again, the report will have a little bit more details on that. The industries that were forced to pay a ransom were those with just-in-time supply chains, such as food and drink, 62%, manufacturing, 51%, and leisure, 50%. 
The report also shows that the frequency of cyber attacks has increased by 12% year on year, with 48% of businesses suffering an attack in the last 12 months. It might be an interesting report to look at and particularly look at your business and how it fits in with the demographics and the threats as part of your overall threat environment awareness. From the Hacker News, warning, new massive malicious campaigns targeting top Indian banks' customers. Cybersecurity researchers are warning of massive phishing campaigns that distribute five different malware targeting banking users in India. Apparently, it's targeting seven banks. They all rely upon a common entry point. SMS messaging contains a phishing link that urged potential victims to enter their personal details and credit card information. And there the lure is to get a tax refund or gain credit card reward points. Now, at this point in time, I don't really understand why there are financial institutions that are relying upon SMS for their multi-factor. I was under the impression that the various, at least in the United States, the various regulatory bodies, the FDIC, the NCUA, the OCC, all under the FFIEC, were moving towards a requirement that you have to do something else besides SMS. And that's probably still the case, but it hasn't happened yet. My question, and if anybody can help educate me on this, is why not? Is it just cost? Is it that the technology isn't there? I can't really believe that because so many other instances use some sort of a push notification to an app on your phone, for example. I'd be interested to hear any feedback on that. From ZDNet, almost a third of chief information security officers and IT security managers in the UK and US are considering leaving their current position. According to new research, this is from a survey of over 400 IT decision makers at companies with 500 or more employees in the U.S. and U.K. conducted by cybersecurity firm BlackFrog. Apparently, it found that many IT security leaders are struggling to keep up with evolving threats and new cybersecurity practices. Also reported issues around recruitment, retention, work-life balance, some specifics. 30% cited the lack of a work-life balance, 27% saying that much time was spent on firefighting. Now, a little bit more interesting here, of the, on top of the 32% of, or rather of the 32% of respondents considering leaving their roles, 33% said they would do within the next six months, while 37% said they were going to leave within the next seven to 12 months. Um, 52% of the CISOs on top of the ones who said that they were going to leave due to the stress admitted that they are struggling to keep up to date with new frameworks and models such as zero trust, while a further 20% felt that having the right skills on their team was a serious challenge. The CISO role has traditionally had a rather significant turnover. So it's not really too surprising. A lot of this are issues that I think the industry has tried to address for many years now, and we're just not making That great progress, apparently. You know, I said somewhat tongue-in-cheek a couple of days ago on Twitter on a tweet thread response. The question was, what do you think is going to be like the surprise December information security threat for 2023? And I said, "Uh, Twitter vulnerability will be exploited. Well, shortly thereafter, the news, and this from CNN, but it really has been reported all over the place, is that the uh, Twitter's chief information security officer, chief privacy officer, and other folks high up 
have resigned. Now, there's a lot obviously going on with Twitter, and I do think now that there is more of an issue with regards to potential vulnerability exploits and other issues. And there's another thing that's going on with Twitter that's related to information security that I'm I'm both puzzled and disturbed about. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know, but I'll talk about it in 30 seconds. The information security community on Twitter has been a both a valuable resource for me and also a place for collaboration. Often I'll hear of new threats through that community first before any media. In fact, every now and then, some of the items that I talk about on here, I will get first from the InfoSec community on Twitter. That happens somewhat often because they're also often the most interesting issues. But something interesting is occurring outside of, but related to, obviously, the whole Elon Musk purchase of Twitter and the shakeups and all of the items going on there. There's a large exodus of folks from Twitter in information security. Some are forming their own or going to Discord servers. Some are joining Mastodon, which I have to admit, I had not heard of Mastodon before this new exodus. I did myself go out and create a an account on the InfoSec exchange, I believe it's called Mastodon server out there. And there's some interesting aspects about it, although I find the user interface just probably because it's new to me, it's just very difficult to comprehend. But I don't understand the why behind leaving Twitter. Is it due to some of the changes that have been implemented? Is it due to political preferences? I haven't personally seen anything that has caused me more angst on Twitter. I haven't seen any more instances of hatred, for example, but apparently some have. Um, If it's a political move, I don't really understand that as well. Uh, There was such a move on another side of the political spectrum a year or two ago to news to other services such as Parler and Truth. That's obviously more political than not. What disturbs me about all this is that I wish information security that the InfoSec community was not political. I've had to mute some connections on Twitter that were overtly political in their in their tweets to the point of being harassing to the other side. And I should note, I guess it, for context, I'm an independent, I lean conservative, but I have muted folks on both sides of the spectrum who, who are extreme. I don't like extremism with regards to politics or anything. And to have some of the folks that I follow for information security go to one extreme or the other on that has, for me, dulled the experience. And if that's the way it's going to be on Mastodon, I'm not going to want to make the move. It's also very, there's just a a lot of ease with Twitter, at least at the current state. (laughs) Musk changes the state every day, it seems like. So I'm looking 
potentially maybe for feedback on this, I, I wish that maybe we could all just come together as an information security community and not have external factors involve that because we can't have multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of social media depending upon interest in this and that and everything else. I use LinkedIn, for example, for more professional. I use Twitter for professional and personal. In both cases, I also use it for my business. And I don't plan to move away from those platforms, at least in their current state. This is an evolving thing. I'll probably have more to talk about it in the weeks to come. But that's what I felt was important today. Because in the military, it never mattered who you were, where you came from, what you believed in. When we were doing the mission, when we were, whatever the mission was, when we were working it, when we were completing it, when we were planning it, when we were wash, rinse, and repeat on it, it was all about the team. I don't see that right now in information security. And I hope we can get to that at some point in time. And that's it for today. Coming up next week, on Tuesday, I have a slightly different episode. Some of you may know that I'm doing a little short series on YouTube and on my LinkedIn page about the lessons I've learned about being a consultant. And this will probably be a seven or eight episode series on YouTube and on LinkedIn. But I'm going to package the first two episodes as a virtual CISO moment episode for next Tuesday to give you a little idea of what it is that I'm doing. And if you want to hear more or see more, just go to YouTube or just follow me on LinkedIn. The other is that on Wednesday of next week, we have the last of the retreat sessions, those that were recorded at Montreat College during the retreat conference back in September. And this is with Lynn Clark. He is the Carolina Cyber Center SOC director. So I hope you can join us for those and I also hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you Monday with a quick strike. And until then, stay secure.